With a big fall cattle season just ahead, slowing slaughter paces and higher carcass weights are proving to be a wrench in the beef markets in the short term. How should cattle producers be thinking about the weeks and months ahead? That's today on Field Posts. DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Ma. Cattle producers have been enjoying a generally positive year in the market so far, and there's hope for more good times ahead, even as the seasons shift and growers begin the longer-term work of rebuilding herds. But uncertainties remain, from the impacts of near-record-high carcass weights to a potentially challenging winter weather outlook. DTN Livestock Analyst Shaylee Stewart joins us today to discuss the current status of key cattle markets, from feeders and fat calves to boxed beef and bred cattle. We'll dig into the details of current packer strategies, where demand is today and where it is likely to be in the future, and how shifting interest rates might impact cattle marketing decisions in the weeks ahead. Then we'll dive into the corn complex and the broader feed situation and discuss expectations as we head into another winter season. We'll tackle all this and hear how things are going on Shaylee's family cattle operation right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Livestock Analyst Shaylee Stewart joins us again today to talk through some of the latest news in cattle markets, as well as some of the longer-term trends. Shaylee, let's start broad and talk about your expectations this time of year in particular, but also just given what's happened since we last talked, what were your kind of expectations going into this time of year? That's a good question, Sarah, because there are seasonalities in which we look for and we expect in the marketplace that are just givens year in, year out, normal trends of the marketplace, seasonal highs, seasonal lows, and just what we expect from consumer behaviorisms in the marketplace. Like every single year is different and you have to look at the market and where it's at in its cycle, whether it's in a, a season of short supply and strong demand or adverse realities. And you also have to look at the political environments and the economic economical environments and really that's what's been changing since we've last spoke and so there's been a lot of pressure both politically and economically that's affected the live cattle complex as of late so obviously the disruption of a potential government shutdown speaker kevin mccarthy being ousted from his position and basically the promise of higher interest rates announced later this month and the following month have all really put grave pressure on both the live cattle and feeder cattle markets 
No, we're especially seeing it on the feeder cattle market side of things simply because we are in October now. I can't even believe it. I don't know where 2023 went, but believe it or not, we're already in October. And so (laughs) October is just the month in which we expect to see so, so many of those springborn calves hitting the marketplace. And um, really, we expect to see tremendous sales in regards to volumes, in regards to prices, because we simply don't have as many calves as what we've had in years past to market this year. But as of late, within the last 10 days, we've seen a little bit of pressure. We've seen a little bit of pullback from traders. And obviously, we haven't really gotten into those big fall feeder cattle runs yet. But on the futures complex, there is a little bit of hesitation. Now, I believe that as we continue to trek through October, the reality of having lesser supplies in the market is really going to show and champion again that buyers are going to have to pay whatever the market deems in order to play the game this year. And the CME feeder cattle index continues to trade above $2.50 or 250 for 100 weight. And that's historical. That's a key point to hone into and, and watch and realize because it just hit the, the that mark a couple of weeks ago and it never been uh, surpassed before in the feeder cattle market's history. The CME feeder cattle index was established in the 1990s, and since it started being tracked, it has never broken that threshold before. So even though I'm saying that there's some pressures technically in the market because of really political and economical pressures, the market is still incredibly strong. I want to take you touched on so much there that I want to circle back to, but I wonder if we can do a little bit of diving into just the individual kind of sections of the cattle market here. Start us off with feeder cattle. What is happening there? Good question. And so we we just touched on that, but I'll go a little bit more in depth. And so I'll just set the basis for what the market expects in October, what we're seeing, what are what expectations are coming to fruition, and what we're still uncertain about. And as you and I are recording this, we're only sitting in the fifth day, the sixth day of October. And so the large feeder cattle runs, they come in October, they come in November, and then we see some poppy, snappy, big runs in January and February. Anywhere from Thanksgiving through December, the market can be really strong for feeder cattle, or it can pull back a little bit you just never really know what buyers are going to do during the holiday season and as we continue to trek through october there are a couple things that we're going to expect number one it's likely that feeder cattle sales are going to get stronger most likely now this is obviously just a generalization and a speculation not a promise but typically feeder cattle sales we see larger runs in October, which we're already starting to see. And we expect to see a little bit more aggression from buyers from an interest standpoint once they get done harvesting, once they know what their crop is, once they know what they have in regards to feed these calves that they're procuring. And I do still expect that the market's either going to maintain at the price point in which it's trading, if not trade potentially a little bit stronger, simply because of the simply because of the supply scenario. We do not have the amount of feeder cattle in which we have grown accustomed to seeing in sale barns in recent years. We have the smallest cow herd ever recorded in the U.S. cow herd history that dates back 52 years, and we have the smallest cow herd. So that obviously tells us that we're going to have fewer cows for those feeder cattle buyers to come in and procure. And even though we're seeing greater imports of feeder cattle from Mexico, we're seeing fewer feeder cattle imports from Canada. And so that's that's been a balancing act and something that we've had to monitor. But to get back to your original question, as we continue to trek through October, there's a couple of things that I really think that uh, cow-calf producers should be watching and monitoring. 
obviously any political pressures are going to put a strain on the market. Any economical pressures are going to put a strain on the market. But that doesn't mean that there's still not an opportunity to market feeder cattle and do extremely well on them. And so I think that if you're an individual who hasn't gotten the opportunity to market their calves yet, I'd be looking for a outlet, whether that's a country buyer, a sale barn, or uh, what have you, however you decide, or an online video auction to market your calves. And I'd make sure that there's enough cattle at the sale to attract buyers. It doesn't really make sense to take your offering to a sale where there's only going to be 500 feeder cattle available. Maybe if you've got black cattle, you go to an all black uh, cattle special and there's five, 6,000 head available and it's going to be easy for buyers to get a load put together. And I would just be careful about announcements that are going to be coming from the government. Obviously, interest rates are going to be announced later this month, the last week of October, 1st of November. You probably want to be a little bit cautious about marketing your cattle that week if we know that interest rates are going to be increased again at that point. Because even though the market should have taken that into consideration, the market is people and people love to react emotionally. So just be cautious. Talk to us a little bit about one of the things we've been watching really closely this past year has been the fat cattle side of things with slaughter rates, especially give us the update in that space. So like I mentioned on the feeder cattle side of things, we've seen a drawback in the market and we've seen that on the live cattle, fat cattle side of things as well. Regardless, if you're going to talk about the technical side of the market for the live cattle complex or the fundamental side of the market for the cash cattle side of things, we're hitting the pause button. And again, that's really because of economical pressures, political pressures, and then packers managing their margins. And so obviously, when you're a feedlot manager and you're trying to market your show list and you're wanting to get the most money for your cattle, that's always frustrating, but it's the dance and it's the game of the markets, right? Packers are wanting to manage their margins. We're wanting to manage ours and we've just got to play that negotiating game in the middle of making it work all the way around and so what a couple things that packers have done as of late to really try to manage their margin is they've pulled back processing speeds and they're seeing resistance in box beef prices and that's something that i think on the fat cattle side of thing that we really need to monitor we really need to watch moving forward because basically one of the biggest champions of the 2023 cattle markets rally has been tight supplies again and phenomenal beef demand and so if that starts to come into question which i don't expect it will just fall out of bed completely but you know as we continue to see inflation be historically high as we continue to see the consumer dollar not go as far as it has in years past and you know just consumers being you know just taxed economically we need to monitor what beef demand is doing now thankfully as we continue to work through the third quarter and look to the fourth quarter is always a point in which we see better beef demand you know what when you're sitting around the holiday dinner table with your friends and family you want to serve them the best you want to serve them beef and that's what largely the american uh, consumers have chosen to do in years past now that probably is going to bode well for the live cattle market the fat cattle market moving into the fourth quarter simply because we are expected to have extremely tight fed cattle supplies at that point we're expecting to see another gust of wind another gust of support maybe move these fat cattle prices closer to that two dollar range again which they bumped up to just earlier this summer but largely again that's going to be driven by tight supplies and demand so those are the two components that we really need to watch on the fat cattle market and then uh, the the big third piece of that puzzle, we've been talking for many months now about herd size and about growing that reproductive part of people's operations. Give us the update 
on mama cows. Absolutely. And this is a fun one because really we haven't gotten an opportunity to quite see what that market's going to be yet. And it's always a fun, it's always a fun market to watch because it tells you where producers are sitting in regards to their businesses, their mindsets, their trajectories. And really we don't see a lot of bread cow sales starting until November, December, and then the first of the year. But one thing that I have found that's pretty interesting about this marketplace compared to years past is Everybody is wanting to capitalize on this strong market. Everybody knows that we have fewer beef cows in the U.S. than what we have in years past. And so we're seeing a lot more production sales. And I think it's just seed stock producers and commercial cattlemen, if they've got some genetics to market as well or just wanting to get some cattle on the market that they can maybe make a couple hundred dollars ahead on everybody's wanting to score on this market when it's hot and you can't blame them because it doesn't come around very often and so largely sarah we haven't really gotten into a time in which we can really say hey i'm comfortable saying that the price range is this to this as of right now, I wouldn't say that the poppy's $3,000 ahead for bread heifers has really sank, to the, sank into the market yet and become its reality and its tone. I do think that we'll maybe be back from that just a little. Now, of course, there will be reputation sales that are able to get those type of prices for their females who just have a long history of selling females, elite genetics, so on and so forth. But as a whole, I'm guessing that we're going to be closer to that $2,600 range, $2,800 range, and that's really what we're going to see for females but as we continue to trek through the year it's really just going to depend on buying aggression from producers and there's been a lot of conversation that the herd rebuild is not going to be what it was in 2015 2016 2017 just simply because of our market environment and what i mean by that is interest rates are higher it is going to cost people more money to borrow money and you know what the average produ- the average producer isn't getting any younger And it's a marketplace in which input costs are still extremely expensive. And so even though the market is boating better in regards to the dollars that you're getting for calves sold, females sold, that's really not transitioning into a whole lot more profit made for businesses just simply because the input side of the market, the input side of the equation is still extremely high. So it's definitely a balancing act and something that producers aren't just able to say, hey, we can run doors wide open, spend it, we'll earn it don't worry about it it's still very much so a balancing act and we've got to be stewards of our finances i want to ask as well you've written a bit about the carcass weight situation right now and where we are in terms of just both like in this moment and also looking forward as we think about during a rebuild and what that could mean if just we're looking at heavier cattle on average after a rebuild yeah talk a little bit about where we're at in the kind of carcass weight situation Oh, this is a good question, and I think that it's one that can sneak up on us, and it's one that doesn't get talked about enough. But every single Thursday, there's a USDA report that comes out, and it's your actual slaughter data. And so it runs two weeks late, but it tells you the actual slaughter weights of both steers and heifers, and we're able to track that data and say how it compares to the five-year trend, how it compares to a year ago, and our databases go years back. But one thing that we know is that 
carcass weights were the all-time highest in 2020 because of the COVID backlog, right? Processing plants were shut down because of COVID and packers weren't processing because of, of COVID and they didn't want their workers there and could they could get exposed to COVID, so on and so forth. We remember all that. But it had a trickle-down effect. It had a chain reaction onto carcass weights. So cattle weren't getting through the supply chain near as fast as what they typically do. And what did that do? That backed cattle up, that made them heavier. And so we had more supply, basically more pounds of cattle to need to process in the market. What's really interesting, Sarah, is that we're talking about how tight we are in supplies this year here in 2023, but yet for the last two weeks in a row, steer carcass weights have only been one pound less I said that correctly, one pound less than what they were in 2020. So if we are tight on supplies of of market-ready cattle in the marketplace, tell me why our carcass weights are that high. Tell me why they're that rallying that level in 2020. And largely it's because we're making bigger cattle that are growing faster and they're just honestly pushing those carcass weights. Now, yes, as of late, packers have reduced processing speeds and so that's backed up supplies a little bit. But it's something that we need to think about in regards to a three-year, in regards to a five-year span of time. Because Once we do see a herd rebuild, regardless if that's back to the capacity that we saw just a couple years ago, or maybe that's 80% of what it was, 75% of what it was, what have you, tell me what that reality is going to look like when we have our cow herd rebuilt and we've got these carcass weights that are exponentially higher than what they were in years past. That's going to be a a huge burden to the marketplace because we're going to have an overabundance of supply. And so I just, I want to just plant that seed in producer's mind and say, what do you think about that? What are you going to do about that? How are you going to protect yourselves in a marketplace when we are plagued with an overabundance of cattle, when we are oversupplied in the marketplace and be able to weather the storm of of cheaper prices? It's just something that I I think that needs talked about and, and put on everybody's radar switching gears a little bit we're several days out from the latest cattle on feed report not a tremendously kind of earth-shaking report there but i'm curious if you had any thoughts on how the market reacted to it maybe Absolutely. The cattle on feed reports have been honestly just passing by the wayside because they've been pretty predictable as of late. They're always a report that has the potential to disrupt the marketplace. And I sometimes grow frustrated with the cattle on feed reports because if they're ever going to have an effect on the marketplace, it seems like it's always negatively. It's never positively. And the cattle on feed report as of late, everybody's really been watching placements. And that makes sense because we had stronger placements in May and June and you just need to be watching that because it's going to trickle down into when are market-ready supplies of fed cattle going to become available. And what's it telling us in regards to our feeder cattle placement in regards to imports, especially feeder cattle imports from Mexico? And honestly, as we continue to work through the remainder of 2023, I don't believe that the cattle on feeder ports are really going to be earth-shattering on any front because we've already seen a big jump in placements earlier this year when the market was just strong and producers elected to capitalize 
capitalize on the strong market and get some cattle sold. But as we continue to work through the year, we'll need to obviously watch placements, like I said, because of imports, especially from Mexico, and then just telling us what we can expect in the year ahead in 2024 in regards to when those calves, when those feeders are going to be making their way out of the feedlot and into the fat cattle arena and ready to be marketed. Switching gears a little bit, last quarter when we talked, we focused a lot on kind of the feed cost situation, the drought, looking at the corn complex. Talk to me about where the kind of feed situation is sitting right now, especially as we look ahead to the winter months. Oh, that's a good question because it, it affects the market directly. And so as we sit at, in the marketplace right now, obviously farmers are out harvesting. We believe that there's going to be enough corn to be had. It's going to be relatively uh, cheap for feeders to feed, and that's a really good market environment. In regards to the hay sector, there's pockets that are still plagued by drought, like especially in the south. But as you get up further north, hay prices are exponentially softer than what they were about a year ago. You can get hay bought for $100 a ton and it's pretty good feed. Obviously the rain and the moisture that they accumulated in places like Montana, North Dakota and up there along our neighbors to the north are just, they're seeing softer hay prices. So thankfully the feed outlook, I think that if there's going to be enough of it, it's going to be affordable. Now that's not a widespread generalization for the entire United States. I know that's not everybody's reality but I think that there is going to be more opportunities for affordable feed to be had and that's really Really important as we continue to look at maybe what the U.S. cow herd rebuild is going to be moving forward because when feed prices were exuberantly high, corn sharply higher and both uh, grass and hay higher, it's really hard to make anything pencil when feed's high and the purchasing price is high. Just last couple of questions here. Uh, I'm curious, as we've heard from John Brannick recently, we were talking a lot about the El Nino and shifting winter weather, maybe a different kind of winter situation than we've looked at in the last couple of years. I'm curious how you are thinking about winter conditions. We've talked about demand going into the winter months and what prices and markets might look like. But yeah, as you, especially from the producer perspective, how do you think conditions might fare this winter? Ugh. Uh, talking about winter when you're on the onset of fall is always like the taboo, right? You don't want to think about the snowstorm that's coming. You don't want to think about uh, having cows in a snowbank, but we know it's a reality and we know it's most likely coming. Now, there's obviously a lot of speculation as to what this winter could be, and it, and it sounded like it, it could be a bear. And so that's something that producers hopefully are planning for and they're making strategic decisions for because honestly, losing calves in a marketplace that's going to be as strong and as as high as it's projected to be is something that's really hard to do. You don't want to lose calves just because of, of what they could be worth, let alone the um, emotional side of it. But as we continue to work through fall and look towards winter, which, you know, it's going to be here before we know it, that's something that everybody needs to be ready for. And so I just hope that producers are getting the feed tied up that they need and that they're making sound business decisions in regards to making the day-by-day operation work smoothly, but then also economic because we know it's coming. It's not a matter of if, but really when. Yeah. Last question, I think. Always like to check in in your family ranch in northern Wyoming. Give us maybe an update on the season you've had and how are you all thinking about tackling that the winter as, as 2023 becomes 2024? 
Ooh, that's a fun question. And it's always fun to update on the business decisions that we're making. And you know what? We're just people and producers ourselves. And some decisions we find at the backside were good decisions and some decisions were bad. And I'll just share a little bit of insight as to what we're doing and and just share light into what our business looks like. But we obviously have the bull sale, the Big Country Genetics Bull Sale market around 200 bulls the first Saturday in April here in Cody, Wyoming. And so we've weaned calves, we have bulls on feed, and it's really exciting. It's just fun to look at the genetics that we've made it and, and to see that progeny come on to feed. And really, even though it's October of the calendar year, it's like the new beginning of the cattle markets year, right? You've marketed the feeder cattle that you have. If you're keeping replacement heifers, you're seeing them. If you're in the bull business, you have those bulls on feed. And so that's really exciting. We've also decided that, you know what, with the beef cow herd being as low as it is and bred female prices not being quite as strong as what they were expected to be yet, Jimmy and I were able to pack up some more females. And so we have we made an addition to our herd, and I think that we got into them at the right price before the market got too exponentially higher. And so it's fun to add those and just, and just to start to build. My grandma has a saying that says, you don't make money the day you sell, you make money the day you buy. And so really you have to get into these animals at an affordable price point because it's hard to throw good money after bad money and make it work out at the end. And so it's fun that we were able to buy some females. We actually went down to the south and procured them where they're in a droughted out market. And we picked up some registered females. We're going to add those to our herd. And uh, they're doing really good and they're acclimating well. And we've already got our hay, our first and second cutting of hay put up and it's stacked. Our third cutting, it's going to be a little bit dicey as to what that amounts to. Um, Honestly, we just got so much moisture up here this year that it really delayed second cutting. And third cutting has been pushed out even further than what it usually would, but hopefully we'll be able to get some of that put up. But nevertheless, hay prices have been affordable and given that we're, you know, feeding bulls and have heifer calves to carry over, that's been a blessing this year for sure. And in regards to just maintaining balance in our operation as of inputs and expenses and, and making everything go around, one thing that we've been doing is we've been taking our cows to corn stalks and keeping them there as long as we can before calving and we don't start calving until about the first of our cows will start calving around the 20th of March but really we start around the first of April and so the the cows will come off of summer grass probably around the first of December go straight on to corn stalks and we'll we'll probably pull them off of corn stalks depending on obviously what the weather looks like around March 10th that way we can get them home a little bit before calving and uh, get them settled in but that's one way that we've been able to cheapen up the cow side of things is just finding feed that is uh, honestly cheaper for our cows to have throughout the winter. You can read all about the latest on cattle markets and find more of Shaley's reporting at DTNPF.com or in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer with special thanks to Shaley Stewart. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier, Kylie Swanson, and Susan Payne. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode is brought to you by DTN Hay Timer. Hay and forage quality isn't just about yield. It also relies on the perfect weather window to ensure a good crop. Use DTN Hay Timer part of MyDTN to quickly assess risk by viewing maps specifically designed to show circumstances affecting hay quality. Pennsylvania producer David Graybill said, quote, 
other weather forecasts were not accurate enough. As DTN Haytimer shows, it takes the right combination of drying to preserve the crop. I would guess we lost three to four times the value in crops that it would cost us to keep our DTN subscription for the year. DTN Haytimer is part of the MyDTN platform. Visit MyDTN.com to start a free 14-day trial.